Hey everyone, welcome back to the Gary V Audio Experience once again. I'm Jacob from Team Gary, and today we have an awesome keynote Gary recently gave all about the topic of leadership. We really hope this one hits home for you guys. If it did, please tweet Gary your feedback at Gary V. It means more than you know, and we will see you in the next episode. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Man, this is, you know, it's funny. I don't really talk about leadership as a framework to my keynotes, and I'm really not doing a whole lot of public speaking, but I just got so excited in the five minutes ago when I got here, when they're like, talk about leadership. I, I, I don't look at any notes or ever know what I'm actually doing. So, <laughs> Chesson was like, you got the debrief. I'm like, kind of. I'm sure it was delivered. I didn't look at it. Um, and uh, so, leadership's an incredibly exciting topic for me to talk about because the truth is, in an alternate life, if I didn't have the one gene of being an entrepreneur, I think that I would be a guidance counselor or a therapist or, I just really love the human of it all. I think I'm, I've been good at things because the only lens I have is people. I really don't think about anything else. You know, the reason I've been early in so much stuff is because people are doing things and it hasn't been talked about at scale yet, but because I spend pretty much all of my time paying attention to the popular culture of society, trends, it's, it's just been a huge advantage for me. And then there's just human truths. Leadership is super fascinating for me because I've been on an interesting journey in the last five or six years personally, which is I've been really successful at it. You know, I was 22 years old when I started running my dad's liquor store and there was eight employees and that's a lot of responsibility when you're opening and closing the store and it's a family business and you're trying to stop people from stealing and there's dynamic, you're a kid, but I'd been there since I was 14, it felt normal and that company got up to 150 people and it was just normal for me at 26, 28 to manage that many people. Vayner today, Vayner Media is part of a holding company with seven other companies but there's now 1900 employees globally around the world and for me it's like normal. You know, to me leadership starts with every CEO or leader understanding they're actually in the HR business, comma, they do other things. So for me, we did a huge creative offset on Monday and I'm making such detailed nuanced reference points in the meeting and a lot of the creatives have never worked with me face to face or interacted and they were just baffled by why I knew that and a couple of them had the courage to come up to me during breaks and like, why do you even know, like, how do you know that? I'm like, because I talk to the people that work here. Like, you know, when I say in every all hands on meeting, which is often, my inbox is open, email, we will schedule five, 10, 15 minutes. I think a lot of leaders don't realize how much can be done in seven minutes. Leadership, I think, has a lot to do with time management. So I think leadership has a lot of things. That I call, I think about leadership from this concept of honey empire, or when we were talking about it, like I think about it as gray, not black or white. Most leaders are gonna be either black or white, right, blue or red. I think a lot about the political nature of our country of like how much happiness sits in purple, yet everybody wants to go as red or as blue as possible. What I just talked about is the empire part, like the efficiency, the work. But the reality is, it's not empire of honey, it's honey empire. Nothing works unless there's humanity. The number one job of a leader, whether you're at the tippy top or you lead something of any nature, two people, nine, the number one job of a leader 
is to eliminate fear. What's interesting about that is it comes in all shapes and sizes. So much of my success, I thought, for the last 25 years was that. That I was eliminating fear, this is why everything has worked. Until I had a really, really dark professional day where I realized five or six years ago my lack of candor because I don't like conflict and I don't like negativity was actually creating fear instead of eliminating it. Because on Tuesday, right, I'd be like, Alex, you're the I would hug Alex in the hall and be like, you're doing a great job, doing a great job. And then on Friday, I'd be like, Alex, you got 15 minutes? Alex sits down, I'm like, Alex, we're gonna have to let you go. And he's like, you told me on Tuesday I was crushing it. And I would, in my early 20s and early 30s, would blame Alex. I'm like, how didn't you know? How did you not know like, that you've been not doing a good job for the last three years? It would, it would, I would almost be like, I would deflect the blame of their lack of self-awareness, but the reality was I really had to swallow that pill five years ago that the one hole in my game, the tens of thousands of people that have worked for me, the small percentage of two or three percent of the people that don't have a good to great point of view on me, all, and I mean all, sat in the category of my inability to be candorous, right? And so I think a ton about the elimination of fear. Right? I, I'm blown away by so many shortcomings of corporate management and like just the world. Like, for example, it is pretty clear now at VaynerX that there is zero reason ever to verbally undress someone in a meeting. There is, I, I would love for somebody to stand up right now and explain to me why being mean in a business meeting brings any value. It's just completely illogical. I understand why people do it. Fear is a motivator in the micro short term. It is the most disgusting weapon that a human can use. If you sit here today and know, maybe because of the way you were brought up and the way you were managed or the DNA you got from your grandma, it happens, (laughs) that you use fear, you really should be A, taking a step back and reconsider that. B, after we just talked about it right now for two seconds, you should be ashamed of yourself for ever using it again. And C, if you don't know how to solve this, figure it the fuck out. The reason we call it the honey empire when we talk about leadership is you get more out of honey than vinegar. You may get short-term wins in vinegar, but you will not get sustained wins with vinegar. So, but then there's the opposite side, the me, that everything's bubblegum and rainbows and you're putting it all on you, but you're quietly building resentment. You have to work on what I've worked on for the last five years, which is the ability to deliver what we call kind candor. See, the reason candor always was a struggle for me was my dad is very candorous, but I grew up in a store where my dad thought the employees were the enemy. You know, as a kid, because it was not my natural DNA, I blamed him. But as I got older, I became empathetic to him because he was born in the Soviet Union and lived there for the first 23 years of his life, which was communism, which was every single person since the government owned everything. The government owned everything, thus everything was black market. Thus everything was stolen from everything and sold in the black market. So my dad's natural state was employees just steal everything. And so, but because of that and because of the way he delivered candor, which was his vessel was very rude, very confrontational, very aggressive, like 80s Russian dude. (laughs) The term political correctness hadn't even been invented yet. So imagine, and that really, it jarred me 
you know, when I was 14, 15, 16, I'm working with, and I'm working with the people and he's, he runs upstairs and just like curses out someone. I was like, I'm gonna be the polar opposite of that. The problem was I already had my mom's DNA which was already the polar opposite of that and then it got reinforced by that behavior and that's why I've had to work so hard the last six years to unwind it. But I realized that candor that corporations love to stand up was really for a lot of people an excuse to be mean, an excuse to control someone that they're managing so that they don't propel. You know how much human psychology goes into a manager that consciously knows the person they're managing is more talented than them? There's a subconscious repression going on there because they don't want it to happen. So candor all of a sudden became manipulation. So candor I always really struggled with. Somehow, some way, because I was working on myself, I sold myself on the concept of this term called kind candor. And it's transformed our company. Because what was happening for us was, you know, I'm the CEO of the company, I'm the founder of the company, so you're listening to me for 10 minutes here, I think you're getting a sense of how we roll. The problem is we were on the opposite side. We created unlimited entitlement. If nobody's getting any critical feedback and nobody's allowed to say anything to anybody, it went the other way. We were two over here. Look, I think, I think here's what it comes down to. At the end of the day, the thing that really works for me and what I see working in other companies, I have been very fortunate to invest in three, 400 companies. I sit on a lot of boards. I'm part of a lot of nonprofits. It really all comes down to some really simple truths. One, unfortunately or fortunately, everything is our fault. I really believe that. I genuinely believe that every single thing at VaynerX, all 1,900 people, that every single thing that isn't working is 100% my fault. I really believe that's leadership. Here's why. I could be mad at project management. I hired the head of project management. (laughs) Oh, I didn't? The COO did? I hired the COO. (laughs) Like, you have to fall in love with accountability if you have any interest in leadership. You have to fall in love with it. And most people don't want it, especially right now. Pop culture right now is in love with pointing fingers. Everything's about pointing fingers. Most of us here, looking around, we have all now are deep in our understanding of all the things our parents fucked up on. <laughs> that is like, say right? Like we are in deep knowledge of every thought we have about mom and dad right now. My question is like, when does that stop? Cool, I, great, agreed. Inconceivable that someone is sitting here that doesn't have thoughts about that. My question is, at what age do you take control and fix it for you? And that's how I think about leadership. I think there's such an opportunity if we just get real about it and find that middle. You know, because in one direction or the other direction, it's just not gonna work and you can see it play out everywhere. But the opportunity is enormous. It's actually comforting. It's actually awesome. Like this is very countercultural, and this is where I always get caught because I get clips taken out of context and then shared on social and everyone's like, this fucking guy. (laughs) So let me say this in full context. There's incredible happiness that comes along with 100% accountability because you feel like you're in control. All of it is stemming on the same thing. If you don't feel like you're in control, as a human being, you were unhappy. But then it goes back to accountability. You're actually fully in control. 
did you, you know, watching people leave Vayner and give the feed, I, I read every single exit interview, all of them, back to HR comma. I actively and aggressively plead for people to spend time with me in my company. And sure enough, exit interview, do, 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 and I'm like, why didn't you say something? Employees, especially as you move up, humans, because that's who are the employees, love, and I mean love to complain about shit without trying to fix it. So this leadership thing, of course, goes with us, but let's just take it all the way down to you individually. You're in full control. As somebody who was born in the USSR, you have options. <laughs> you know, we get very confused about what our lives are and we're, if, you know, if you're sitting in this meeting right now, in the rankings of the eight billion people on earth, you're winning. Right? We have it good. Unfortunately, what's bad is hot right now. That's just how the world works. We, you know, doesn't take long to look at 1968. Like, it's just how the world works. My thing for you all though, if we're talking about leadership, is the leadership of your own self starts to become the practice that you can deploy for others. Please, please understand how much, how quickly it can get better once you go to full accountability. What am I, every single thing I'm disappointed with, my default in my brain goes into, how did I not put this person in a position to succeed? So that is now leading to the thing I'm frustrated about. What didn't I do? For me, it's normally that I, I just couldn't deliver the candor. I just pass, passive aggressive at worst, razzy in the middle, or just shutting my mouth and smiling at the lightweight, but it was all the same game. Many of you have that in here. Others, your own pain and frustration, you're deploying on others, right? So that's what you're bringing to the meetings and the energy. We just have to find a way to get all that poison out. You've gotta get it out. That's all it ever is. It's just fear. It's just fear. And fear has been weaponized at scale in society and so it's become normalized subconsciously. And so I think there's a huge opportunity for us to get way more human in the context of business. I see it, I've always seen it, it's very real to me. And I think from the top down, it's just about everyone looking themselves in the mirror and asking how much they're contributing to the fear. Really, I mean that. And it comes in different shapes and sizes. Not being candorous creates it, right? You know, being rude. Like, like, that to me is the one though, like honestly. Like that's the one. Like I promise for all of you, there's nothing good happening about being overly aggressive and rude. It's just not working. In any, sh- for you I mean, you do not know what's going on in someone's home. You just don't know if someone's on the verge of a divorce. You don't know if somebody got a phone call from their favorite cousin this weekend saying they're terminally ill. You just don't know. And we just don't have enough compassion, especially up. Especially up. You just, you know, your manager, in theory, in the context, you feel you shouldn't be the bigger person for them. They're getting paid more and they're more senior, right? But they're still a human dealing with real shit outside of here. And so I think if we can stand up compassion and sympathy and empathy for real, not like some fucking poster we put in the hallway. I remember when tech was getting going 
And like, like, we had like, I don't know, in 2010, we had like 49 employees and everyone was like six years old. It was so young, you know? And people would come and they're like, man, it's so cool here. And then like six months later, like, you gotta come to our office, it's cool. I come and be like all cubicles and they're like, and I was like, what? They're like, they're like, our office is cool now. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, look, we have a foosball table. <laughs> I, and I'll never forget that era when everyone like cleared out a couple cubicles and put table hockey or like, you know, it's like, it was, and I remember thinking, people don't get it. People think tactics work. A poster, I love when people are like, it's in the handbook. <laughs> Who the fuck reads the handbook first of all? <laughs> like, And, number, and, and more importantly, and more importantly, number two, thank God, I don't like the political unrest, but it gave me an analogy that now gets me across making my point every day of the week. When we're even willing to say it's in the handbook or it's in the brief or it, it, was, it was in the email, I'm like, like, it's right there, it's written word, here it is. I'm like, let me tell you something else that is written word. It's called the Constitution. <laughs> and if anything, we've proven that 50% of the people can read it and see it this way and 50% of the people can read it and see it that way. Life is about interpretation. Tactics will not work for leadership. Intent will. Do you actually give a fuck about people? Do you? Or is everything that you're doing completely predicated on the short-term monetary needs you have for the expenses you've created for yourself? That's the fucking question about leadership. You, you, want, you want to know why certain people change as they go up the ranks? It's not necessarily because they think there's somebody, it's they've created more pressure for themselves. When you buy that house slightly outside of your comfort zone because you want to keep up with the Joneses, now you're scared to lose your $213,000 a year job. You've become different because you've got fear. We have to really start changing the conversation of what success is in our society and that can happen at the business level. I always say at Vayner, look, there's a lot going on outside of these four walls, but we can control what happens here. And I think leadership has to really have a serious conversation of human truths, not the slang words that are starting to emerge. The actual truth of what we're actually talking about here. That's how I see leadership. (laughs) Thank you.